Well, hello, hello, everybody. How are you doing? This is S. Anthony Thomas, and this is the S. Anthony Says Podcast, episode number 189. How was your week? You beautiful bastards. How was your week? I hope it was good. My week was good. You know why? Because you weirdos keep listening to my podcast in large numbers. In fact, last week's episode, as of the moment that I'm recording this, is number six all time. So thank you very, very much for that. And special shout outs and thank yous to a couple of people. Of course, the mighty Twitter hero. I'm going to thank you very much for your help. You're a good person. I, re- I really appreciate your support and the retweets and all of that kind of stuff. I really, really do. So if you're listening to this, no matter where you are on the, on the planet, because I know I'm, people are listening in different countries, make sure you go and follow one of my top bastards at Twitter Hero. But it's only one T in the Twitter part of the name Twitter Hero. Why does he not have two T's in it? Because if you have two T's, dudes will follow you around and say lewd stuff because they like your T's. <laughs> wow, that got weird. Also, a special shout out to one of my pod pod family, um, the Naked Porch Podcast, a.k.a. You freaking tuna hoagie haters. I'm getting tweets from the Naked Porch podcast dissing my damn tuna hoagies. Now, if you're a new listener, go back and listen to my podcast about tuna hoagies where you get to hear me tell a funny story about the best tuna hoagie in the world made the way I like it. And the Naked Porch podcast has the balls and ovaries to diss my sandwich. Well, I love you guys anyway, but your taste in hoagie sucks. But your podcast doesn't suck. So go listen to the Naked Porch podcast. And if you do listen to him, tell him you like the show. Tell him I sent you. And more importantly, tell him to stop dissing my damn tuna hoagies or else. (laughs) And also, uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be recording an episode of the Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks podcast with the wonderful couple, Neil C. and Annalise. I know what you're thinking. It's Neil C. and Annalise, dude. Why you keep saying it like that? No, it's said the way I say it. Because when I meet people and I like them, I change the pronunciation of their name. That's right. I get to do that because I'm S. Anthony. So, folks, now that I've rambled on like an idiot for about two and a half minutes. uh, (laughs) Are you ready to hear episode number 189? You are? Cool. You know what I'm going to do? Of course, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to roll that theme song now. Go! My friends, let's talk about something interesting here. And this is something that literally was just resolved. Uh, it's 449 Jersey time. Just resolved... Mm, two hours ago, I just got back the mighty Toyota Camry because the mighty Toyota Camry had needed repairs and I wasn't able to drive the mighty Toyota Camry for two days. Why? Because the mighty Toyota Camry had a part that stopped working properly. I was like a bottom oil plug thingy. I don't know what, any, what the hell that crap is. And it stopped working. It started spitting oil out. And not only did it spit oil out to the ground, it started spitting oil into the damn engine. And that part that needed to be replaced the part that failed cost two dollars to replace but how much damage did it cost i think i just told you i wasn't able to drive the car for two days almost 
Little things mean a lot. That little part took me out of commission. Luckily, I didn't have any place I really, really needed to go. And I could take those things and move them to different days to the end of the week. But because of that, I couldn't go any place. Because of a $2 part, $2 part, it automatically spit oil on a whole bunch of other stuff and messed up the timing belt and this belt and that belt and this triple belt and quadruple belt. And I had to have a thing taken apart. Oh, no. When a mechanic tells you that the that the repair is going to take a certain amount of time, I would like him to start laughing after he says that because he has no idea what the amount of time is. He's, you know, it's only going to take about an hour, sir. <laughs> sir, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. Why did you just go <laughs> after you told me the amount of time was going to take? No particular reason. But, you know, you can come back in a couple hours. <laughs> you know, um, uh, ironically, you're, you're kind of sounding like the car engine because the car engine was also going. <laughs> yeah, it's because the car was laughing at your dumb ass also. Huh? What? Sorry? What? <laughs> but that little $2 part cost so much because it failed, cost so much damage. You know, I, I wasn't able to use my ride. It was, it was a horrible. I just wanted to just I wish that thing could become a person just for a couple of seconds so I could slap the shit out of it. But I'll be honest with you, I'm saying this inside a closed room away from the car because the car is out front because I really don't want the car to hear me talking about it. I don't want it to get mad at me. I know what you're thinking. Car is just an object, man. It's an inanimate object, man. Would you stop that crap? The car does not know. It's not a sentient being. It can't think. Yeah, it just lets you think that, you stupid, stupid bastard cars know things hmm you think it's a coincidence that sometimes you can't find it in the garage you think that you put it in you i thought i parked the car there you did park the car there but did you notice how hard you slammed the trunk down when you were walking away you were mad at your spouse and you slammed the trunk down the trunk didn't do anything to you or you slammed the car doors the car doors didn't do anything to you or you parked too, too close to some other cars and the car knew that if you left it there it was going to get some dents because the people that parked in those spaces parked badly and it knew some mindless dumb bastard would swing their car door open and smack it into side and a car is going you gonna put me here you gonna put me in danger because you too lazy to walk a little bit well let's guess what asshole you 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 you're gonna come back to the parking spot and i'm not gonna be here i'm gonna be three cars down that way in a spot where there's no two jackasses with their beat up ass cars gonna swing their doors open and hit me i'm not putting up with this shit forget you human and you go into the store and you're shopping and you and then you come back and you i thought we parked it so i thought we parked here too you did park there but the cars they were there laughing at you six spots away oh my god i could have sworn i parked over there yeah you would have been right but you need to pay more attention to your car because if you don't pay attention to your car your car is going to teach your punk ass a lesson you know what I, you think i'm kidding you think i'm kidding let me ask you a question you had a car old and new. Doesn't matter if the car was old and new. Have you ever been driving down a road at night? And your car sounds like it's running funny or stalling and sputtering a little bit. Right? And then you start cursing at the car. You mother effing John. I knew I shouldn't have bought this crap. I really wanted another car of another make and model. But this garbage, this piece of crap. I hate this car. I hate this car. And then the car grinds to a halt. 
and then the tow truck or the AAA person comes and they say start the car up and the car starts up and it's running perfectly and the person goes I really don't know I couldn't see anything everything seems to be fine with the car I don't know what happened <laughs> I know what happened the car just wanted to see how you would react you see when a car sputters and you're inside the car it's like when you drink alcohol you drink alcohol and people find out what you really think about them you drink alcohol i never liked you you fat bastard and then you get sober hey what's going on man oh you mean you mean me the fat bastard because you told on yourself well the car can't get you to drink the car doesn't want you to drink because if you get drink you're drinking behind the wheels of a car not only will you endanger other people's lives you're lives the car doesn't want to get effed up either oh no but if it sputters on a lonely road that's one way to test out how you really feel about the car and you, you piece of crap junker i'm gonna get rid of you in the last second and as soon as i get a chance i'm gonna get rid of you i hate this car this car sucks everything about this car blows in fact and the car sitting there going you bastard you bastard you ever notice that right after you curse out your car all of a sudden the water pump goes you think that's a coincidence it isn't then you get the water pump fixed the car sputters again and you curse at it again and he goes oh i got something sweet for this bastard this time and all of a sudden your hoses and belts all go at the same time not one at a time not sporadically like other cars all at the same time oh yeah and it's parts you gotta order ha 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 and they come at different times so this one will come in five days this one will come in ten days oh what a shame i guess you're not gonna be able to go on that vacation you bastard because you're gonna need to spend three grand on the damn car <laughs> because the car knows i've been there in fact i think that's probably what happened to the oil thing on my car the car started acting funny and went damn it i'm not spending all this stupid oil in this stupid camry and then all of a sudden, I got all these repair works. I should have taken my own advice. But I'm trying to warn you right now. Don't think your car doesn't know what you're saying about it, you dumb bastards. I'm telling you, it knows. Because this time when I got in the car, I sat down. And I sat in the seat. And I caressed the steering wheel. And I stuck my junk in the glove compartment. <laughs> Okay, I'm just kidding. I did I did not stick my junk in the glove compartment. <laughs> I stuck it in the trunk. Oh yeah. Okay, I did not stick no junk nowhere. That's just weird. But I did sit down in the in the driver's seat and I caressed the steering wheel and I said, You know what, mighty Toyota Camry? I think you're the greatest car in the history of the world. And I realize now that having not had you for the past couple of days, I realize that you're an integral part of my life, mighty Toyota Camry. And I'm going to tell you right now, even if there are repairs in the future, and there inevitably will be repairs in the future, and it probably it might even come at an inopportune time, but I'm not going to blame you. I'm going to realize it's circumstance, and I want to let you know right now that I know that if there comes a time when it becomes a problem, it's not your fault. And the car actually said back to me, thanks. I really appreciate that as Anthony. And I said, damn, is it okay if I... um?" would you mind talking in front of other people because we could really really get paid you know we could do like a night rider type thing you know we, you know we'll have a show we'll do a show together you know and, and i'll be the star of the show and the car says really i think i see some oil dripping i said no 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 no. we'll be co-stars and they said that's better and i said what about it car and the car said no no i'm just happy transporting you from place to place 
I don't want that kind of stardom. I'm the kind of person, <laughs> person, I'm a car. I'm the type of car that likes to keep it simple. I got your back, S. Anthony. Just to let you know from now on, I'm actually not going to be saying anything. I'm going to go back to pretending like I can't talk unless I sputter and you diss me, in which case I'm going to strand you someplace where people are going to whoop your ass. And I said, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, car. And then I took the car to a car wash and washed and waxed it. And then I put my junk inside of the ashtray. Okay, I did not put my junk inside of the ashtray. I wanted to put my junk inside of the ashtray. And then the car said, ha, 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 ha. I just like you as a friend. And I said, that hurt my feelings, car. Okay, this, this segment got really weird, didn't it? <laughs> no, what I, really, what I really wanted to talk about in this, in this particular segment was that how little things do mean a lot. A little thing like that little oil plug. Um, messed up the car and made me not be able to use it for a long period of time. But it's really weird how little tiny things can either make things better for you or can make things worse for you. It's amazing how it is. I remember um, it was a girl I was seeing and, and it was really weird. We were, we, I woke up and she was, you know, we, you know, the, the night before, uh, how can I put this? I, um, oh geez, how can I put this? Uh, took her on a long, slow trip to Bang City. Okay. So I'm getting out of the bed and I'm going into the bathroom. I have to get up. She doesn't necessarily have to get up. And upon getting out of the bed, I, I didn't realize that I had knocked the cover off of her, too. And I walk into the bathroom and I walk back out of the bathroom. And obviously, this is someone I find ridiculously attractive. And now she's laying on her stomach and her uh, delicious brown buttocks is sitting right there. And me being a mature man, I, of course, stare at it and think, good Lord, I'm going to make some noise so she'll wake up so I can jump on top of her so I can get some of this delicious buttocks before I go and leave. Because I like... I mean, I, I said, I, <clears throat> what I mean was I stood there and loved her from afar. <laughs> I was staring at her ass. And I didn't realize how long I was staring at her ass until she looked, I looked over at her face and I looked and she looked up at me and she was looking at me and beginning and suppressing a laugh. And I said, what's so funny? She goes, how long were you standing there staring at my ass? And I said, I don't know, but I would like five more minutes if you don't mind. And she laughs and she gets up and walks past me. Gives me a peck on the cheek, brushes her teeth, comes back out, says, no, 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 not yet. And she grabs me by the belt buckle and gives me a kiss. And I walk out into the other room and I wrote a little note on a sticky thing and I stuck it on the back of the door. It was a complimentary thing about how you know, beautiful she was and her delicious buttocks. And she saw it. And it was just a little note that I left. On, it was only like it was like as long as a tweet, but it was very complimentary and, and, and you know, let her know how I felt about it. It was like a little tiny thing like that. And I was gone for a couple of days, but she kept calling and I could tell she there was an extra he 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 in her voice because she was happy about and it was just a sticky you know when I put on the door. That's all it was, but it made her weak. And then when I came back, I could tell she was a little happy because she was already a happy person. I mean, let's be honest. She was nailing me regularly, so how could she not be? <laughs> That's the truth. Shut up. Back back to the story. But it was just a little tiny thing, it's a little note on the door. And I would do little things like that. If you're a dude, you have to do little things like that. And it has to be genuine, you bastards. You can't be going, this will get me some butt. That's not the right way we, we to do that. Okay? Don't put a sticky note. You're beautiful. Oh, by the way, since I said you're beautiful, can I play with your boobs when I come back? That's not good. Mainly, and I know for a fact because I actually wrote that note, I want to play with your boobs because I gave you a compliment, damn it. And it did not work as well as I thought. <laughs> I did not do that. 
But those little things, man, the little teeny things, the little, little flower there, little rose there, put a little chocolate on the bed, put a little rose on the bed, and she comes home and sees it, and a little of that, and you give her, you say some lovey-dovey crap in front of her friends while her friends look at you like, douchebag loser. But it doesn't matter because she saw you do it, and you get extra cool points for it. You do those things because you want to do the little tiny things. And it's not female-specific. You know, I, I like when I had a girlfriend do some little tiny things. For me, one, one of the things I remember the most was she had a friend that always called at the wrong time. She would call when we were about to get it on. She would call when we were, have, we were sitting at the table, you know, talking about the relationship. She would call when either I was, and she had my number. I'm like, she's calling my house and ruining my ruining me getting some, getting it on with you in, in my house. And it annoyed me. I'm like, how did she get my number? Well, I gave her the number because I, I knew I was going to be in your place and I wanted her to call me. So I found, I get you over here specifically to get it on and she don't have the number so she can't call and ruin me getting it on with you and now she has the number and now she's probably going to call when you're not here which means i'm going to have to talk to her for at least 30 seconds which is 27 seconds more than i want to talk to a punk ass when she's in that mood she's pretty delightful when she's not in that man haiti mood but the thing was she always picked dudes who are um how can i describe the dudes that my girlfriend at the time's friend picked so you have to find a very, very exact and succinct, just a perfect way of describing. Oh, I get it. Huge pieces of flaming dog shit with guano juice poured on it. Okay, that's what these dudes were. I almost slapped the shit out of one of my myself when I was I'm with my girlfriend and we're double dating with this douchebag and he starts and I'm looking at the guy like dude you know we go to the bathroom he's talking all this shit I'm like I will fuck you up in this bathroom right now what's the problem dude seriously man relax bad you know it's bad enough you getting you acting all like a douche in the other room but you acting like a douche to the lady so you deserve your ass whooped for that right but more importantly. Even if you don't do anything, you're going to upset your girlfriend who's who should be dumping your punk ass. She's going to be upset. Then she's going to call my girlfriend to complain. And I'm going to get less of my girlfriend's delicious body because and, and, and of course, our time and our conversations, not just their delicious body. <laughs> and I'm going to whoop your ass. You better calm down. And he was the nicest of the pieces of shit. The other pieces of shit, I just wanted to take a baseball bat and crack them across their freaking heads, the pieces of shit. But back to what I was saying. So she calls the house all the time. And they would have two-hour conversations. And after a while, I just became resigned to the fact that this lady is going to call and complain about the douchebag of the month that she's dating right now who deserves to be cracked across the head with a baseball bat. But this one time, we're having a great time. We had a great day. A whole day was great. We just everything was perfect everything we did was great everything was fun you know when you watch those really over-the-top movies when they have relationships where the people are having such a great day and they're and the, you know the sun is shining the flowers and thing and they always have that the, the sunshine behind her head and the sunshine behind his head and the, the butterfly flies by and all of that crap and everything the music and the love of the cosmos and the world and all of that crap's going on yeah well it was a day like that and if it was happening to somebody else i'd want to choke the shit out of him and be jealous of him but i was that douchebag that day and she was the douchebag at that day that's what we were and it was a good day 
So we go back to my place and she didn't have anything to do for a few days and I didn't have anything to do for a few days, which means to me that quite frankly, not to be gross or anything like that, it was it meant that it was the beginning of several long trips to Bang City. So we're sitting on the couch and we're watching a movie and it's a wonderful movie. It's a good movie. It's a pretty good movie. It's just a movie. And we I know and she knows that we're about to turn this movie off and turn the couch into a big pile of sticks from the power banging because it's about to happen. And she looks at me and I look at her and she looks at me and I look at her and she looks at me and I look at her and then she starts to grab stuff and I start to grab stuff and she starts to do stuff to stuff and I start to do stuff to her stuff and grab stuff and slurp stuff and pee with stuff and put on stuff and put stuff on top of stuff and squeeze on stuff and I'm about to take my stuff and her stuff and make some good stuff. And the phone rings. Oh no. Because I know who it is because no one else would be calling at this time. Either somebody got hit by a bus or it's her. And I didn't think anyone got hit by a bus. And I'm ready to go to Bang City. And my girl is ready to go to Bang City. We have already started the launch procedure for the long trip to Bang City. And oh no. She picks up the phone and I could hear her on the other end of the phone. She had that same whiny, annoying ass voice she had whenever one of those huge steaming piles of dog crap with guano juice poured on it does what a steaming pile of crap with guano juice poured on it does. And she's complaining and I and my girlfriend is looking at me and she's got the phone to her ear and I could hear her, the friend on the other and my friend's looking and the girlfriend is looking at me like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And that's what her face is saying. She didn't say anything in words. Her face was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And her friend is on the phone. And then my girlfriend, and I just kind of like looked at my girlfriend and I realized, here we go again. Another instance of this girl, her friend, who's a nice lady, but she just doesn't know when not to call. She makes the call and I'm going, oh, geez. So I just kind of sit back in the chair, resigned to the fact that this trip to Bang City just isn't going to happen. And I start watching the movie again. And I put my arm around my girlfriend. And she's on the phone with a friend. I give her a kiss on the forehead. Basically to say, I understand. She's your friend. I understand. I didn't say it in words. But my body and the kiss to the forehead said that. And I start watching the movie. And I'm, not, I'm so busy focusing on the movie. Because I know I'm not going to Bang City. So I'm just like, eh, let me watch this movie. And I notice something happening. You see, my girlfriend at the time had a car, and her car was an automatic trans transmission. It did not have a stick shift in her car, but apparently she thinks she's in a car with a stick shift, and that the stick shift is attached to my body. Oh, yeah. And I look at her, and she looks at me, and she does not have the look of someone who's concerned about her friend on the phone who is still at this time going... <laughs> She begins to put the car in drive. She looks at the phone. She goes, I'm going to have to call you tomorrow. In fact, call me in a couple days. And she hangs the phone up. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to say what happened next. 
because that would be not right and it would be out it would just not be right for me to say what ne- what's next i'm not going to say what happened next we had a whole lot of sex But the thing was, it was just a little thing. I wouldn't, it wasn't anything where I was going to be, want to end the relationship because she talked to her friend. It wasn't a big deal. Not really. I was a little disappointed because I thought we were going to get it on, which we eventually did. But she, she just basically told her friend, look, you know, I, I, I'm spending time with him, you know, and you go, we're going to have to talk later. What you're dealing with right now, I can't really help you with. I know you want to talk, but I want to, you know, I want something too. And she hung the phone up. It was a little thing, but it meant as much to me as, when I left that note for her, I thought it was a little thing, but it meant a whole lot to her. And her hanging up that phone when her friend going, I picked another loser. He's a bastard. I'm probably going to go back with him in three days anyway. She was doing that, but she put the phone down and chose to finish spending the evening with me. It was a little thing, and it meant a lot. It had a big impact on me, just like that note had a big impact on her. Just like that fucking thing in the car had a big impact on my engine. Except the big impact that my girlfriend had on me and the big impact that I had on the girlfriend was a big positive impact. And that God stinking $2 piece of shit had a big impact on my car. Little things mean a lot. So sometimes a little thing that happens could be something really bad. It could be a little piece of shit piece of crap garbage piece of shit that breaks on your car that costs two dollars that causes lots of money in damages or it could be a harsh word to a little kid that you don't think means anything or a harsh word to your spouse or your girlfriend or your cousin or your brother or your uncle that you don't think means anything but it could explode in your car just the way that little piece of shit exploded up in my car and messed up my engine little things mean a lot they always did and they always will so pay attention you bastards yeah that's right i said it (laughs) oh before i end the segment i just want to say once again i got it on a whole bunch of times with my girlfriend that weekend yeah a whole bunch of good old times (laughs) it had nothing i mean actually the story was over after i said the the other thing but i just wanted to reiterate that i had lots of i got it on with a real good (laughs) real good I just wanted to be stupid at the end of that segment over. Okay, folks, let's talk about it. You know, I want to talk. I mean, if I did a daily podcast, I'd probably talk about it the, the next Sunday morning or something like that. But I do a weekly podcast. It comes out on Mondays. So here we go. How many of you saw the Ronda Rousey Holly Holm fight? Now, before you hit the the fast forward button realize this is not going to be a ufc fight companion this is just going to be me making a larger point because i can relate to um to what ronda rousey felt like after the ass whipping and i'm going to make the point so bear with me so you when you see somebody that's thought of as that great on a regular basis and all they ever hear is you're the greatest you're the greatest you're the greatest you're the greatest and when they beat people's asses in 14 seconds 16 seconds 30 seconds negative five seconds person whip the person's ass in the parking lot the person whoops their own ass to save you the trouble all of that crap when you go through that it's kind of hard to maintain that edge it's kind of hard to maintain that edge you just can't do it it's like a football team that gets a big lead and they kind of relax a little bit they 
they don't even know they're relaxing, but they relax a little bit. And the next thing you know, all of a sudden, they wind up losing to a team they shouldn't have lost to. Now, I'm not saying Holly Holm is a team she shouldn't have lost to. All I'm saying is that was not Ronda Rousey in the ring last night. Now, Holly Holm might have whooped her ass anyway, but at least we would have known. And I can relate to it. There's something about seeing somebody that's indestructible in your mind uh, getting destructed. <laughs> See what I did there? And I can relate to it. Because before I went to Los Angeles, I was thought of as among the best comics in my area, the Northeast Corridor. I had a whole bunch of people that respected me, did a whole bunch of shows in a row where I absolutely demolished my competition. Who was my competition? Who was I battling? I was battling the specter of failure. Yeah, that's right. I would every time this, I would go to a different place, there would be a new number one contender called the specter of failure who would always be waiting to take me out. When I got on stage, I'd show up on stage and the specter of failure would be sitting right in the back of the room looking at me, making the throat slash gesture. And I'd grab myself and say, bite me, sucker, and go on the stage and I'd kill. And in the parlance of stand up, kill means do a fantastic over the top good show. And that's what I did. And I could see the specter of failure laying on the ground with his face all messed up because my jokes were like lefts and rights to his face. And I took him out. Yeah, that's right. But that's my number one contender. Every time I would go to a different club or a different small theater or a different performance, that was my challenge. And I had done a whole bunch of shows in a row before I moved to Los Angeles. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows in a row because I wanted to prepare myself for the trip uh, to Los Angeles. I wanted to go out to Los Angeles. I wanted to get a TV series. I wanted to be rich and famous, not just because I wanted to be rich and famous, but because I wanted to take care of some people in my family who may have needed help. I wanted to make sure that my life was set up so I could then get a wife and have some kids have a great life make sure they could go to college have their college funds already completely taken care of before they were even old enough to walk i wanted to be able to play gigantic places with people who wanted to see specifically me and in that capacity i could take some other comics that i either knew who were friends of mine who hadn't ascended to that level of success i would have in this particular fantasy or someone i thought was very talented i would take them out on the road with me and i would help new performers who were overlooked not because of the quality of what they did just because of the sheer number of people in los angeles who should not be performing in the way and also the sheer number of people in Los Angeles that are damn good but who are still in the way that's what I wanted so I worked really hard I did a truck load of shows made it a point to go to places that I knew were going to be really really extremely extremely difficult to perform in under horrible circumstances and I trained myself to be able to no matter the circumstance to go on that stage and destroy and that's what I felt like when I got on that bus to California the first time I said yeah that's right I was sharp and I was hardcore good oh yeah Got off the bus in Los Angeles, California, went to that Fleabag Hotel that I've referenced many times in this podcast, and I didn't give a crap about the, but who cares if you're in a Fleabag Hotel? 
I mean, I should be in L.A. for about nine minutes. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've been here for about an hour and a half, and I'm wondering why I have, where my six Oscars are, damn it. How come I don't have six Oscars? I've been in L.A. for three hours. I should have three hour, three damn Oscars, at least for the first three hours. I mean, at least one Oscar, damn it. I mean, I've been here, right, with all this talent and this cuteness and these dimples, damn it. They should, I'm wondering why women haven't come busting through the walls with sledgehammers to get a piece of this sweet chocolate I I don't know why and even though that arrogance i just displayed in a comedic fashion it was not much more than what i really felt because i was kind of a douche not to other people just an internal douche i was an external douche an internal douche i thought i was good enough but when you go to los angeles you realize the hard way no you are not good enough you just think you're good enough because good enough in Los Angeles is not the same thing as good enough every place else. When you go to Los Angeles, there are already people that are great. And even if you're great, what difference does it make? Because they're not going to replace great with great. You have to be better than great. But when I got there, I was just like Ronda Rousey. She was 12-0 and 0 and ready to defend that belt against Holly Holm. Didn't matter that Holly Holm had 27 belts and 16,000 belts and quadruple belts and quintuple belts. That didn't matter, damn it. That don't matter. I'm the best. I'm the champ. And when I went to Los Angeles, it was the same thing. I don't give a crap if there's a whole bunch of people out there who are great, who came from all different areas of the country, who were the best comics in their area. It doesn't matter. I got the belt. I'm the best. I've done nine million shows in a row to prepare for this. And not only did I do nine million shows in a row, I didn't have one bomb ole in there. Not only did I not bomb, I didn't even have sections of shows that weren't hilarious. Yeah, that's right. So damn it, hand me, just hand me my damn Emmys and triple Oscars and quadruple Oscars and double, quadruple, triple, golden, triple globes and double globes and quadruple globes. Just hand them to me now and don't waste my time with actually having to make a movie because you're going to have to give me the awards anyway. And that's what you think when you get there, because quite frankly, everybody thinks that when they get there. And you're right. You were great where you were. You're even great here. But so's everybody else. Back to the fight. She shows up in the ring and I know in the back of her mind she's thinking let me just finish this chick off real quick and go home and have a hamburger because I done killed everybody else. So this is going to be pretty easy. But Holly Holm is a 97,000 time kickboxing boxing ass whip champion. She's been in the spotlight before. She's had the pressure before. She's not afraid. She's not beaten before she gets into the ring. And she has a skill set. What, what she does that's as good as the skill set of what you do. You're incredible judoka. But she's an incredible striker. Uh-oh. So I'm watching the fight and Ronda can't get it to the ground. So what happens is now the fight is staying where Holly Holm is strong. Oh, no. A striker of world-class abilities? And you don't have world-class striking abilities? Oh, no. A person who's fast enough to keep herself away from you and can strike you when you can't hit her. Oh. So I watch Rhonda get clocked in the face. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, she's getting hit hard. You know, you see her head knocking back. She's, I mean, she's getting clocked. Almost every time Holly Holm threw a punch, it landed on her face. Oh, no. First round over. And Rhonda got rocked a whole bunch of times. Oh, no. Back to me. 
I go to Los Angeles and now me I have I had some showcases lined up. I had show I had did a showcase for someone who was a I'm not gonna say who they are, but they were a huge star. And they were on a beloved television sitcom from the eighties. And I was auditioning in front of the person. Wasn't even nervous. Why? Because I came and I did. I, whoop, the, I beat the specter of failure 9,000 times in a row before I got there. And I could see the specter of failure sitting in the back of the room going, "You can't. I can't get you in a comedy club or a theater when you're doing stand-up. But you auditioning for a TV show, jackass. You auditioning to host a, a, a game show that may or may not be coming on the air. And this is not what you do. I'm a bust your ass out and i looked at the specter of fairness said, you must want some more of this punk you want some more because i'll bust you right up in front of this beloved 80s television series superstar i'll bust your ass out and i walked up and i won the fight against the specter of failure but it was a split decision and then someone comes in who instead of being me a comedian who wants to be on television and movies this is someone who's a pretty funny guy who really wanted to be the host of a game show i mean this is what he wanted i did this because it was available this guy wanted it and this guy came in and i knew something was wrong i knew something was wrong because when he walked in the specter of failure walked in his his specific specter of failure because we all have a specter of failure that's specific to us that always tries to mess us up when we do something and he walked in and he looked at the dude and he went oh crap and he ran out the room going i don't want none of that and i went oh no if the specter of failure is running out of the room scared, this is not going to go well. And the guy came in and he was so much better than me. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. I was like, I'm ashamed that I wasted everybody's time. In fact, I walked out into the room where everybody was auditioning, holding their little sides where they were going. I said, look, y'all just might as well go home. I ain't I'm not even staying. This is the dude in there is going to none of you. Any of you are in here as good as that dude. I will have a hard time believing it. And of course, the guy got the job. Show sure didn't go on the air, though. So, ha ha, fuck y'all. But anyway, <laughs> but I realized, you know, when you go to Los Angeles, man, you're now in a different realm, man. When you're on your own, when you're on your home turf, there's a whole bunch of people that aren't that good, and there aren't that many people in comparison doing the job. So, who are you really competing with in your hometown? You ain't not competing with the best in the world. You're competing with the best in your area, and the best in your area aren't really the best in the world you know unless you just happen to be a, a, one of those people i go to other auditions i, I bust my ass and the specter of failure i, I lump the specter of failure up but the specter of failure's brother shows up who's bigger and stronger and it's the specter of failure he's still called the specter of failure but he's but he's twice as big and he walks up to you and he goes <laughs> that was my little relative specter of failure my name is also the specter of failure then he takes off his jacket turns around and it's the specter of failure in la it's bigger and stronger and when i punched him in the face with these good stand-up comedy performances he went that's cute and then he punched me in the throat with this new thing called, you're kind of short for this role, sir. I mean, you're very funny, but you're, we really need a guy over six feet tall for this guy. You're cute, but we need more of an upscale, meaning a really good looking person for this job. Yeah. You're too young. You're too old. You're incredibly, you're, you're incredible on stage, but you're too short, too young, too old. You're in good shape. We need somebody a little fatter. You gain some weight. Oh, you gain some weight? Oh, we need somebody in better shape. And there's always some reason why you're not good enough. Oh, no. 
You did all the things that you were good at. You did all the things that you knew worked. You did all the things that worked before. But now all of a sudden that shit ain't working. Just like when Ronda Rousey walked into the ring doing all the things she knew to do or tried to do all the things she knew to do and all she caught was a fist in the face. And eventually that fist in in the face turned into her not even being able to hit Holly Holm. There was a point in the fight where she was with Holly Holm. She tried to swing Holly Holm, dunked and moved out of the way so fast that she wound up on her knee facing the cage with Holly Holm over on the other side of the bench. You probably saw that clip. You probably saw that as a meme. You probably saw that on a vine. You probably saw that and went, oh shit, she's so fast, you can't even hit her and she's on the other side of the ring and you're on your knees facing in the wrong direction because you fell down. Oh no. That was the point when you realized even though it hasn't technically happened yet, we're going to have a new champion up in here. Back to me. I audition and audition and audition and audition, take classes, take classes, take classes, and I can't get a sniff. I'm even getting even, I'm even better as a comic than I was when I left. Even the comics that I was performing with were going, this guy's awesome, this guy's great, but I couldn't get a sniff. Why? Now, when I look at Ronda Rousey, I realize that her hands weren't good enough. She didn't have a good enough strategy to beat this person who was exactly what she needed to, you know, who had exactly the skill set to beat her and the game plan. And as I was watching it, I realized that that's what was happening to me in Los Angeles. Was I among the best live performers? Was I among the best holding a microphone in my hand and talking to strangers and making them laugh and making them clap and making them high five each other and making them stand up and, and applaud when I walk off the stage, making them chant, S. Anthony, S. Anthony, when I walked off? Yeah, I could do that. And I'm proud of that. But that wasn't good enough. That was like having one skill set. When you needed to have more skill sets like in mixed martial arts, you can be great at one thing, but you better be damn good at some other stuff, too. Because if you don't, you wind up with a foot in your face and uh, your head bouncing off the mat and a whole bunch of people on Twitter making funny comments about you and making memes about you and showing clips of you getting your ass knocked out and showing clips of you saying things that are prophetic and then inserting clips of you getting knocked out, making it look like you were predicting your own ass getting knocked out. That's what you get when those things happen. You, and that's what happened to me when I went to Los Angeles. I thought being a great stand-up comic was enough, but it wasn't. You got to be good at the business, too. And I'm getting much, much better at the business. You got to do another thing, you know, like podcasting to thousands of people in an audience that's rapidly growing. Right. You got to do other things so other people can see what you do. You got to add skills. So when I watched that fight, I was thinking, OK, she got her ass rocked. She got punched in the face a bunch of times. She got kicked in the neck and hammer fisted on the ground. She now knows what she needs to do. You now have to change what you're doing, Miss Rousey. You now have to learn a different style of boxing and defense and spacing and how to take down someone who doesn't want to be taken down and how to increase your speed and all of those things you'll need to beat Holly Holm. Or you're going to go back in the ring and she's going to kick the shit out of you again and there's going to be a bunch of a whole bunch of people putting up memes and pictures and funny things and saying all bad stuff. That's what's going to happen. And it was the same with me. I realize now, hey, man, yeah, you're still really good. You're still you're good. You're better uh, as a comic than you were then. So what? You got to do all these other things. You got to be better at the business, man. 
You got to build up a social media campaign, man. You got to do a podcast, man. You got to do all these other things. It's not just enough to be a good stand-up comic. It's not enough, you bastard. Because if you don't do those other things, you're going to wind up on the mat with a whole bunch of people putting sad Michael Jordan faces over top of your body on the ground like they did Ronda Rousey. (laughs) And that's the truth with everything, isn't it? Isn't that the truth with everything? No matter how good you think you are, you got to realize there's always something else you need to know. Always something else you got to add to what you're doing. Because you want to be standing there with a belt around your waist, with Dana White putting the belt around your waist, with your arm in the air. You want that. You want to be all, you want to be holding the belt and having a party in your hotel. You don't want to wind up at a hospital getting your foot fixed and your lip fixed or whatever the hell happens to a loser of one of these fights. You don't want that. It's funny when I watched that how that's what was going through my mind. I don't know why my brain does this crap to me. It's weird. Every time I see something, I find some kind of stupid lesson that I teach myself to make myself better because of what I just saw. God, I'm a fucking weirdo. But guess what? You guys listen to me every week. So you're even bigger fucking weirdos. How about that? (laughs) So what I learned, my friends, is. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. You always got to add some more weapons, my friend. No matter how good you are, you always got to learn something new. No matter how good you think you are, always remember the specter of failure will take you in a back room and bust your ass out and you won't like it. Oh, gee, the specter of failure just walked in. Yeah, that's right. I think you're a little late, buddy. I've already been, this is like my 189th episode. I already know how to do this crap. And there's a whole bunch of people listening to me. Yeah, that's right. What was that? I don't care. I'm the spectral failure. And I will destroy you. Really? What is your name, sir? Uh, it's uh, S. Anthony Thomas. Wait, 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 wait. S. Anthony Thomas from the S. Anthony Says Podcast. Oh, shit. That shit is awesome. I'm out of here. Yeah, that's right. Spectre of failure. Get your punk ass out of here. Because this podcast will never be a failure. Yeah, that's right. Look at him running like a bitch. Punk ass. I don't even know how to. I mean, how the hell did he get it all here from, from L.A.? I'm in New Jersey now. What the hell's he doing here? You know, I think I could actually file stalking for, uh, charges against him. Because, I mean, I wasn't doing nothing. Just recording my podcast and my damn thing. And, and he's, how do you get in the house in the first place? I locked the door. So right now we got stalking and breaking and entering. I knew it. I'm going to get the specter of failure arrested. And I don't have to worry about his ass when I, in any of my future endeavors. So I'm going to end this segment of the podcast. I'm going to call the police. And I'm going to have some charges placed on the specter of failure. Because that's stalking and breaking and entering. That's what that right take care of this right now and so i'm gonna end this segment and take care of that segment over okay folks let's be a little serious here at the end um you know we had the paris attacks a little while ago and you know a coordinated attack by terrorists killing well, I think it's 120 something people. I don't want to. I don't remember the exact number. And I don't want to belittle it. I know that it was a massive number of people, a bunch of people injured, millions of people scared. And the reason I wanted to talk about normally, I, I kind of, you know, I've been lately kind of staying away from the super duper mega ultra serious stuff. 
and I probably would have not said anything. I may, I may at the end of uh, at the end of, I may, I may have at the end of the episode said, you know, keep the people in Paris in your thoughts. I probably would have said about that, not because I didn't want to, didn't feel anything, or it didn't move me, because of course it did, but because I think everything that needed to be said has already been said by the time I got around to recording this. When I started, when I started to look at the, when I started to look at Twitter, and I started to read the things that people were saying, many people were giving their condolences and many people of Paris were giving people places to stay. You know, taxi drivers were giving people free rides. It was very similar to what happened in 9-11 in New York City. You know, people were giving people free rides, giving them food, giving them water. Oh, come on in here, man. Come in here. Sleep here. Lay here. They were doing all those wonderful things. And what you saw at that point was the best of humanity. Humanity at its best in response to humanity at its worst. People who had a design on I'm going to kill people and demean people and destroy people. And the response to that was a bunch of people doing good things. It was the exact polar opposites of what human beings are capable of. And I think for the most part, many of us are closer to the giving some person a place to stay side of it. I'm not saying we're all goody two shoes or anything like that. But what happens when you see a car accident? There's always people that were on their way to work, got their own problems, will pull over and drag your ass out of the car. They will pull over and they'll watch your kid until the ambulance come. They'll do those things because it's in them. Now, the reason I'm talking about the Paris attacks, other than the fact that I think that we should all keep them in our thoughts, and if there's something we can do to help, obviously we should do it, was what I saw on the social media networks, the Twitters and things of that nature, and I'm usually on Twitter the most, is when I started to see politicians and celebrities that are extremists, that I would consider extremists, and probably many of you would consider extremists, saying the worst, most horrible, most inappropriate, most insensitive things you could possibly think of. People were shot and killed at concerts and just walking, just walking around. People were getting murdered and you had jackasses almost gleeful because they knew that they could use this tra- this tragedy, these murders, these horrific things happening to human beings. They could use them to get attention for themselves, maybe to sell more books, maybe to get themselves as a talking head on certain news channels or radio shows. Maybe they could get a whole bunch of new followers on Twitter or friends on Facebook. They could say these horrible things and they could get this group of people, which is not the biggest group of people in the United States, but a loud group of people in the United States and around the world who just love to be scared and love to hate things that are different and love to find excuses to be mean and vindictive. If you really think about it, quite frankly, terrorists are bullies to the farthest extreme you can get. They're bullies. Okay? They know for a fact that it's literally impossible because there's 7 billion people on the planet and not that many terrorists in comparison. It's a minuscule number of terrorists when you compare it to the overall population of each country and, of course, uh, and, and of course the world. They know they can't kill 7 billion people, you know? They kill 3,000 in New York. They kill 100 and. 
30 or so in France and what they do is they terrorize a bunch of people maybe they expect you to change your lifestyle maybe they expect to just disrupt you for a long period of time maybe it makes them feel better even in and they're bullies that's what they are but if you really think about it to a much 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 lesser extent so are the people that are sitting there saying horrible things while the bodies are still on the ground, coated in blood, and some of them alive and in pain. Making the really insensitive tweets and stupid posts and stupid comments on television and stupid comments on the radio. They react that way to a tragedy. So they're on the further extreme. But once again, like I said, the majority of people were on the other extreme, offering place to stay, food to eat, travel. When you think in terms of bullying, which is what terrorists are to the extreme, it's very similar. Obviously, terrorists are murderers. Bullies in high school and college are not murderers. They will whip your ass, but they're not murderers. But there's there's some comparisons there. What does the bully in school do? They whoop a couple people's ass. They can't beat up the whole school. It's not possible for a bully to beat up 3,000 students. They can't do it, but they can beat up a couple people in their class, and that'll scare everybody else. It'll make everybody else kind of change what they're doing, do things a little bit differently. You know what I'm talking about if you've been bullied. I remember seeing a bully uh, in high school whipping people's asses, you know, and I was one of the asses he would, well, they, it was several of them actually, probably, I think it was like four of them would attempt to whip. And what happens is they would whip our ass and then they would do some things and, and then one person would go, I know what I'm going to do. Uh, he, he'll stop kicking my ass for my milk money if I, he, he's got money in his shoe. And then you talk about the guy's got money in his shoe and he goes, yeah, well, well his mother gives him $20 on Thursdays and you're giving information back and forth about each other and trying to get the, trying to get the bully to leave you alone and to mess with that person. You are being divided. Right? I think everyone should have 500 guns strapped to their body at all times because if everybody had 500 guns in their hands and strapped to their body at all times and if everybody carried a bazooka none of this would have happened those terrorists would have shown up and everyone would have pulled out their guns and aimed them at the terrorists and said oh no you don't and then if someone says well you know i don't really think that you know i mean if you really think about it these people were just eating dinner and at a concert and even if they did in fact have guns on them what would have happened is the terrorists would have either suicide use a suicide bomber and there's really nothing you can do with a gun if a person is a suicide bomber or if they come in with massive uh, machine guns and just begin firing even if someone was able to turn around and fire back at the terrorists, they would still have killed virtually the same number of people. In fact, other people might have been killed that would have, you know, in the crossfire. You look at you, you, you're all for the, you're, you're pro-terrorist, aren't you? You no gun loving, pro-terrorist, terrorist loving, loving terrorist, terrorist lover. And then what happens? Everybody starts fighting. Calling names leaving insensitive tweets calling each other and it just turns into this stupid thing and if you really think about it everybody fighting and being divided it's kind of what the terrorists want in the first place 
But when, if you remember my school comparison, when you have a bully at school, the way bullies are usually taken care of is if the people in class get together and say, wait a second. He's making us mad at each other, so we separate from each other. And then this bastard can pick us off one at a time and take your lunch money and take your place, your little uh, PlayStation game, whatever the hell you can around. He can take your sneakers. He can take this and take that at whatever random intervals he wants to. Because we don't know which one of us is going to get attacked by this bastard. But we're always staying away from everybody and hiding from everybody. And we're staying separated. He got, don't touch me. He's got that. Don't touch me. He's got that. And you turn into that silliness. But what happens if everybody goes, listen, he can't beat us. It's 40 of us. He can't beat all of us up. Why, why are we beating each Why are we kicking? Why are we turn, you know, tearing on each other when this asshole over here is the one that's the problem? Why are, we do, why are we fighting? Fuck that. Let's get him. Because I saw it happen. I saw a guy beat the shit out of people individually in the classroom. Fuck him up. Excuse my language, but fuck them up. Beat them down. And the teacher, teacher, don't you dare do that. We're going to be suspended. Really? So I can just wait outside and beat them up? Fantastic. I don't have to go to class, but I still get the joy of beating up these people? I think that's great. Why don't you suspend me for the rest of the year, teach? And although I don't condone violence, I do condone defense. So what started to happen was the bully decided he was going to start whooping people's asses, but he couldn't really get anybody alone because they were staying in groups of six and ten. So he'd come out to grab a, he'd grab some shirt, give me your lunch money, and then nine or ten other people would walk up behind. Nah, fuck you. You ain't getting nothing today. And all of a sudden, the dude's getting books thrown on his face. These people, are, and he runs away. They banded together and they said, no, you're not taking our stuff anymore. No, you're not terrorizing us anymore. No. Now, obviously, when we come with when we deal with terrorists on a grand scale, people who are going to blow themselves up and people that are going to come in with machine guns and shoot innocent people. It's not as simple as a bunch of people in the class getting together and banding together to stop a bully in our high school or a bully in college from whooping their asses. It's not that simple. Obviously, there are many, many things, many, many, almost an infinite number of factors that make it infinitely more difficult. But the message is the same. We got to stop fighting each other over stupid shit when there's someone else trying to kill you. Stop fighting over dumb stuff. Think, think about what you're fighting about. Think about what your differences actually are and ask yourself, do they really matter that much? Really? Do we really have to get into name calling and gloating when somebody gets killed? Really? To move a political agenda forward because you want more guns? Really? There was a couple of actors that I didn't know were really, really extremely on the right wing. And I'm more of a progressive and I get it. And I really don't care what somebody else's ideology is. I really don't attack people. Like if I see somebody online who's a famous person or a celebrity of some type or a politician, I tend not to attack them directly. 
I really don't. I just don't care enough about them as people to attack them directly. Not that I have anything against them as a person for the most part, but it's not going to do any good. What you have to do is, have, is vote for a f- people in power that do the things that you believe to be right. So me going, Donald Trump, you're a douchebag. That's not going to do any good. But if he's running for president and he has Bernie Sanders or uh, Hillary Clinton running opposite him and I vote for that person and convince a bunch of my friends who are on the fence to vote against him or for the opposition, that makes a difference I, I'm not really a big fan of just fighting to be fighting because a lot of times when I see things all I see is people just name calling and you know making wacky pictures of each other and how many of us actually go out and vote I mean I vote all the time but how many people actually go out and vote really So I was watching the Paris attacks and I was watching the best and worst of humanity at the same time. And there was more of the best, which was great. More people were saying they pray for Paris. More people were donating money. More people were lining up to give blood. More people were giving people places to stay. More people were doing good things, which is always encouraging. But there was still a part of me that watched it and was just really disappointed in certain human beings. You know, how could you gloat and try to move an agenda forward that actually would probably foster more of this? A lot of these people are doing it because they just want some more money. And the funny thing is, a lot of these people that are doing it for more money already have more money than they could possibly ever spend in their lifetimes. But it doesn't really matter. A couple extra bucks are more important to them than the people that no longer exist. That's a shame. So, I just want to say, uh, even though I don't know, I, I have a few people in Paris that listen to me, but uh, most of the people you know that listen to me are in the United States and Canada, um, UK, Australia. I don't know if you're religious or not. I'm not really a religious guy like that, but just keep the keep the people of Paris... Uh, in your thoughts and if there's anything that you can do and you maybe donate some stuff or whatever whatever it is just make sure you do that mainly because it's the right thing to do but also because you would kind of want somebody to do that for you too dig segment over well, all right, you bastards, you beautiful, beautiful bastards. That has This has been episode number 189 of the S. Anthony Says podcast. I want to thank you guys very, very much for stopping by. You know, uh, it's been we've been, we've been doing this about like a little over two years now. And, uh, you know, it's really, really cool because now I seem I feel like I have connected uh with uh, the people that listen to this, uh, uh, mainly because you guys have been so cool to me. So I appreciate it. Um Shout out to everybody that listens. You know, much love to all of you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your kind words. And I appreciate you getting the word out about the podcast. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. Uh, to those that are listening to this uh, who are not doing it, please do uh, follow me at Twitter. The Twitter for me specifically is at S. Anthony Thomas. The Twitter for the podcast is at S. Anthony Says. And for those of you that don't know what the, the uh, email address to write to me, uh, the email address is the S. Anthony says podcast at Gmail dot com. Feel free to drop a line. I love to hear from you. Also, uh, rate the rate this podcast. 
if you listen to it on a on a podcatcher that actually allows you to rate um podcast or something like that make sure that you give this a nice uh rating on whatever you're listening to it on and if you haven't already done that please subscribe to the podcast i would really really appreciate it it's nice to know that people not only are listening to it but they have it set up so they can listen to it on a regular basis because those of you that have done that and there's a lot of you i want to thank you for that it means a lot to me in all seriousness well folks once again this has been episode number 189 my name is s anthony thomas and this is the s anthony says podcast it's also known as s anthony says i want to thank you beautiful beautiful bastards for listening to this crap and i look forward to talking to you again next week much love to everybody out there and s anthony out Yeah.